Hi everyone, this is Dr. Colleen Meyer with Meyer and Mintz Consulting. We are bringing you Fearless and Pink. And today we have an amazing, an amazing guest today. She is a author and a consultant. Her name is Michelle Pettis. Michelle, do you just tell you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, Colleen, I am so excited to be here today. Thank you so much for having me on. And yes, you are right. I am an author. My first book is coming out. It's Leaving Large, a food addict's memoir, how I overcame a 40-year battle over obesity. So that's that's it. Look forward to the next you know, couple of weeks or so. And um, it, it's really about my journey, my, my journey of gaining and losing 700 pounds over the course of my life, lifetime. That's a 40, a 40 year, <laughs> a 40 year journey, if, if you will. So now I help others, I teach others, I show others how to change how they feel about food. And that's what I discovered on my on my journey that it wasn't it wasn't so much about the food, although you know that's important. We have to eat right, we have to move, we have to do all those things. But it is it was the story. It was the story behind the food. And what I coach people around is really looking beyond the plate, right? Every, you know, everything we see is about oh, how much can I have this? How many calories can I am I counting carbs? What I'm counting, you're counting everything. But the first thing we have to do is really look behind the plate and start looking at our attitudes and beliefs and thoughts around eating and food. And then look beyond the plate to really identify what we want our bodies and our lives to look like. And once we can make the transformation in our head, once we we can make the transformation in our head, then our bodies can start transforming and then our lives can start transforming. You know, you know, you and I talked last week and you had shared a story that stuck with me. And I actually shared the story several times because it made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And the story, and I'm going to let you share, but I'm just going to uh, tell you which one it was, is when you were talking about, about the peach cobbler and the memories of that. Do you want to share a little bit about that? How uh-huh. you- yes, 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 yes. Well, you know, you know, for, first of all, uh, tied into that peach cobbler, and what I dealt with over the course of the years was just being a sugar addict. Mm. And if anybody, if anybody is watch, watching, listening, whoever's watching, listening, just first of all, know that sugar is not even food. And the only purpose to eat is for nourishment and nutrition. Food, sugar is just a highly addictive substance. <laughs> that's a, that's a, be clear, be clear on that. And I don't, you know, I don't want the sugar industry, the sugar lobby to come after me, but that's, that's the real truth of it. But, but the peach cobbler story is this, is that when I think about all of the desserts, even now that I love is a good peach cobbler. I mean, mm. just, and there used to be a time where, I mean, any, if any restaurant, I wanted to make sure they had it on the, they had it on the menu. And if they had it, I was going to have two servings of it and just peach cobbler, peach cobbler, peach cobbler. And once I started to I really assess um, my eating and what I was eating and, and really focus on it, I just was thinking, my God, what is this thing with peach cobbler? What is that? And I just had to sit. I had to sit with the question. And sometimes we have to just sit with the question, the hard ones we have to sit with. And I thought back to like my first memory. And when we go back to our first memories of food, mm-hmm. 
then that often puts us on the right track of trying to separate the food from the feeling. But back to the story. Um, I grew up with my grandparents mm -hmm. and we had a farm and we raised peaches. And my grandmother was like, everybody's grandmother was like a, like a kick butt cook, right? But yeah. with, with the peach cobbler, I would go pick the peaches. I would be in the kitchen with her while she'd be washing them. We'd wash them together, get the fuzz off. She'd peel them and she'd roll, roll out the dough. But more than that, that was our time together. We would sit together and she would tell me stories. And I mean, she was just all, you know, just loving me up. Like in the kitchen, my grandmother and I around this peach cobbler. And so, you know, we put it in the oven. She let me taste the little, the little sauce that was going on. I mm. love the nutmeg. And she put it in the oven and it come out and would be something wonderful, beautiful, sweet, and delicious. And when it became clear to me that why I, and, and my grandmother, you know, died decades ago. She, she died in 1981. Mm -hmm. um, when it became clear to me that whenever I had peach cobbler or thought about peach cobbler, my mind went directly to those moments with mm -hmm. her. That it, it, it was not the peach cobbler that was giving me the joy. It was the thought of spending that time in the kitchen with her and us being together and the sweetness of that memory. That's the thing. That's the thing that the peach cobbler represented to me and I was trying to recapture. And so many times that's what we're trying to do, if, especially if we're eating under stress and there's a lot of stress going on. Right. And the response to that or some stress or some discomfort is to go to, to what they call comfort food, right? And you think about all this, all the things that we call comfort food is generally around some pleasurable memory, some first memory, some family gathering where people are involved, people that you love, people that love you are there. That The food represents that. And so as soon as we can separate the food from the feeling that it evokes, and just go back to the feeling and sit with that feeling. We don't even need the food. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sorry. I have a little cough. Um, I think that that's it. That's that's why <clears throat> I told that story because it, it it made sense to me that when we when we look at comfort food and we're eating, we're overeating. And we're like, oh, this is comfort. You know, it reminds me of my grandmother or my mother or my family or my dad or whoever it is. It's the memory. Yes. And, and what you made me see, Michelle, was to separate. It's, it's okay to have that memory, but separate it. It's not the food. It's the memory yes. that the food is, is conjuring up and having us you know, go to that happy place. But, yes. your, but your book teaches, now correct me if I'm wrong, your book teaches how to separate that and, and, ha and have an understanding of that. Is that correct? What, what, the, what I actually do in the book is, um, and that memory, all right, the, what it is, is the events, the experiences, and the memories around certain food. It's what, it's what I call food stories. Oh, and I love so, that. And so what my book is, my book is a compilation of my own food stories, of 40 years of my own food stories that, that allowed me to get the messages twisted, they get the messages confused. And there's stories of when I first started eating out of loneliness, 
when mm. I first started eating out of frustration, when I first started eating out of joy, when I mm. first started eating because it represented some sort of status, when I first started, you know, it's it's those stories, and um, and how some of them, uh, the the um, the habits, the habits started, and the association started when I was a kid, but they followed me all the way into adult adulthood, and I I will tell you one of one of the stories, and I read the story I read the stories every um, every Sunday night. Uh, on online on his on his call some, similar to this, um, but one of one of the stories was that I wrote about was called Lunchroom Misery, mm-hmm. and um, in the I'll do I'll do the short version of it. But the short version of it is I grew up in a in a small southern town, and I was one of the in the sixties and the seventies, and I was one of the first black kids to integrate the white schools in my little town, and. Here's the thing. It's like in the first grade, I went to Paul Lawrence Dunbar, which was a predominantly black school. In the second grade on, I went to Sam Houston, which was predominantly white. Well, when I got to Sam Houston, oh, the kids weren't mean to me at all. And I say this in the book, but mm-hmm. they didn't know me. Mm-hmm. They didn't know me and I didn't know them. And so those first weeks were very lonely for me because mm-hmm. as you well tell, I'm a social person, right? Yes. <laughs> but but my grandmother for sure was going to make sure that I had plenty to eat and so those first lonely lunches were spent with me taking solace by myself with with that you know and and dealing with the 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 discomfort because it wasn't comfortable to be at the school not necessarily because they were white but just because I didn't know them you know I didn't know them I mean all my friends were back at Dunbar so I'm like grappling with all this all this stuff and so the food kind of got me through it but here's the thing after a while I came to love that school. I came to love that school. I came to love my friends. I fit in. They fit in. We all it was all you know, big old love fest. <laughs> <laughs> but I had all. But the habit was already set. Yeah. Right? The habit was already set at that at that point. So you know, I, I I was used to doing what I was always doing, even though that emotion was gone. I was still eating those those same things out of the habit. And what I found as I moved into my, and, and this came from writing, this when I happened when I started writing the book, what I found uh, once I got into my career and then in college, you know, I grappled with, with the weight issue. Mm-hmm. But, and I went, to, I went to work in advertising in the 1980s. I went, to work, I went to work in advertising in the 1980s when there weren't a lot of black people, there weren't a lot of black women, and the women that were in there all had fair faucet hair and balanced oh, yeah. hair. Neither of which did I have, right? I was smart, I was all that, but I didn't have that. Right. And so I found myself going to premiere parties. You know, first of all, I had to figure out what a premiere, premiere party was, right? <laughs> but I found myself in that environment that was just like it was those first days when I was in elementary school. So now I'm at this big reception with free flowing food and drink and all that. And I stepped right back in those same habits of using mm. that reception food to feel comfortable. And, and you think about it, you know, you, you know, 
people do it. They have it there. The first thing you do, you don't know anybody. You go to reception or something like that. You go straight to the bar. You go straight to the appetizer table. You have something in your hand. Yeah. And it's company. Even if, you know, you know, at least, you know, you don't feel like you're walking around looking crazy because you don't have anything, you don't have anything in your hand. <laughs> so, but, but we get socialized to think that that's the way that we do it. And I remember the first time I, I kind of like identified that, that particular behavior as, as an adult, like three years ago. And I, gone, I had gone to the theater, I live in DC. I had gone to a, a premiere, some opening in a theater and they had the food and I made a conscious decision. I made a conscious decision not to get food or drink, not to get any wine, not to get any of the little appetizers, any of the little dessert and just be with myself. And I will tell you, Colleen, it was a life-changing moment. Because when I did that, I looked around and I saw that there were many other people that did not have food or drink. A lot of people did, but a lot of people did not. And I realized, okay, if, if, I, if, if I went at this event right now, would I be eating or drinking this? Because first of all, we got to remember, you know, the only purpose to eat is to solve hunger. So am I eating now because I'm hunger or am I, or am I eating now because it's an event? Right. So we have to start separating. And, and what I teach people to do and I show people how to do is evaluate everything you put in your mouth. What am I feeling right now? Is it hunger or is it something else? We need to ask that question with vigilance. If yeah. we are to get control over how we feel, because the, the reason, the reason is, we have to change the way we feel about food. The way we feel about food, then then you can then you can stick to any diet program. That's why diet programs, you know, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, whatever, whichever one you choose, keto, any of it, it's hard for people because they haven't changed how they feel about food. Once you change how you feel about the food, you can stick to any program. So I don't promote a program. I promote helping people make the mental transformation of how they feel about food so they can then learn the right way. Right, because if they go into a program and, you know, or any a program or if you're, you're dieting, at, dieting at home or and when I say dieting, you know, that could just say, okay, I'm going to eat healthy now. It doesn't always mean I'm going to starve myself with just right. eating lettuce and carrots. But I'm right. talking, you know, how, how we approach it we call, has different names. <laughs> Making smarter choices about food. Right. But it starts with, and this is why I think a lot of times it fails. You know, we, uh, we have, um, we have, um, you know, we, we lose weight. We're going out there. And this goes for men too. I know we're talking about women specifically sometimes on the show, but this can go for men too. Absolutely. That, um, you know, they're, they're, trying to change the way that they eat, trying to change the dieting was in, you know, and they, and they fail and then they try it again and they fail, not realizing it's a relationship with food and how they're seeing that in a lot of times that emotional connection to the food. And, and once we realize that we're having an emotional connection to the food and that's what causes, you know, our process of trying to change the way we eat or diet or go on a program why sometimes it fails because sometimes it's up here right it's it's, it's all up here and and here and here is here's the thing that that i teach that that is just a little bit of a nuance uh -huh. it's a bit of a nuance and 
people often say, you know, I need to, I need to work with my relationship with food. I don't have my, my relationship with food is off. That's, and what it, what it really is, Colleen, it is our relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. It is not, it is not the food. It is, it is ourselves. And I, and I say that because I, you know, I have used it. I have used this example uh, in my group a lot. And I said, okay, so you're, you're on a program, whatever program you chose, you're on a program and you've been on it for a couple of weeks, couple of weeks or a week, but you've had success. You've lost a couple of pounds. You're feeling good. Right. You're out to dinner with colleagues. You've made a healthy choice, right? You've made a healthy choice at dinner and you are full. You are uh-huh. full and satisfied. The server comes up with the dessert tray. Everybody at the table orders dessert. What do you do? And so I, I have gotten so many answers to that question. Oh, well, I would get, I would get a little piece and, and I would just take a little bite if everybody else got some. Or I might order berries. Or if, if, or if I were forced, I just might um, get something, get a little sorbet. And I thought to myself, if, if you were forced, how could someone at a, that you're sitting at a table with you force you to eat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so, but, but here's what that question revealed to me. Now, if we are clear that the only reason to eat and the only problem that food will solve is hunger, the only reason to eat is nourishment, and we have just set the criteria that you have just eaten. You have just eaten and you are full, you are satisfied, you, you've had some success. When that dessert tray comes, why is there even a question? And so the question is, is formed by who you work, by how you feel about your choice. Mm-hmm. And so if you're at a point where you are strong in your relationship with yourself and your own decision, no, thank you. I'm not hungry. Or maybe you may want to have some coffee or, or, just, or just no thank you and that's sufficient. And I will tell you, I have done it time and time again. And every single time I do that, somebody at the table says to me, I wish I had your willpower. You just you just shift the energy at the table because you stand because you are in you are in relationship with yourself. You stand in you stand in your own power, whether being concerned about what's going on with the table. And it doesn't have anything to do with the food. It has being it has it has to do with being okay with what anybody might say about your own decision not to have dessert. Because people will try you. They'll say, right, well, "Why don't you just have a little bit?" Oh, I know you've lost weight. You've done so good. And this won't hurt. I mean, I heard that. Uh, well, who are you to tell me what's not going to hurt me? Yeah. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> you know? So, so it's it's a, it's about getting stronger in our own sense of our of our of how we're going to guide how we manage food, how, mm-hmm. how the the role that food plays. And as we do that, as we do that, we become stronger. Not in our. And this is how this is why the, this mental transformation changes your life. Because as you start making changes about what you eat and who you eat with and how much and all that, that the process of getting stronger and standing in your own power transfers into other areas of your life. That's right. That's you, know, right. you know, you're talking about that <clears throat> and I'm picturing it in my head, you know, and um, sitting at, you know, I've, I've gone to conferences with him, with um, <clears throat> colleagues. And if someone says, you know, we're all after dinner, we're sitting around the table and somebody says, then the you know, waiter comes by, do you want 
some more wine and you're like, no, coffee's fine or whatever. Nobody blinks about it. But if they're all having dessert and you're not, why does, you know, they don't look at alcohol the same way. Maybe, well, sometimes they might. But <clears throat> but overall, I think when my experience, if I say coffee after, you know, after for, with my, with uh, to settle after dinner, then nobody says nothing. They don't say, why aren't you having alcohol? Here, have a little <laughs> taste of this. Have a taste of mine. Why not? It's not going to hurt you. It's a little taste, you know? And, but they do that with dessert. <laughs> or hey, how about, okay, you know, if you don't want any, why don't we get this and we'll split it? Right, right. And it's, right. And it's, and it's like they want it, but maybe they don't want all of it, but they want to force it on you. Right. When right. they know that right. you're dieting, right? right. Or not diet. Right. No, I wouldn't say dieting. I guess when you're trying to change your relationship mm -hmm. with food, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I find that so interesting that they, it's so true. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, the, what, what happens and this, and I, and I say this is because this is what happened to me. People are used to you being a certain way. They're used to dealing with you in a certain context. And as you start to change, as I started to change, I had to teach my friends how to deal with me in a different way, yeah. to deal with me in a new way. And sometimes, and that did, and that did meant, didn't you just hear me? You know, I just said, I don't want it, right? And right. I, you know, I get it, but I don't, I don't do that anymore. And, and then, and move on. You know, nobody, you don't have to come to blows. You don't have to be nasty about it. And, and no thank you, quite frankly, is sufficient. You know, and what, in one of my, in, in my program, I teach being brand new. That's what the name of my program is. And um, the first N in the program in B-R-A-N is nourishment and nutrition. The only reason to eat, right? right? But then in new, all right, that, that week, what we talk about is the fact that no is the new yes. And when you say no to these things that don't serve your body, right? Like stuff that's not food, um, you're saying yes to better health. You're saying yes to confidence. You're, you're saying yes to power, freedom, joy. All You're saying yes to that. So we have to reframe what our point of reference is, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not, yeah, I'm saying, I don't, I don't want that, but what I do want is better health. What I do want to, what I do want is to be proud when I look in the mirror. What I do want is to be able to go to my closet and wear everything in there. What I do want is for that is for that male gaze that Kristen was talking about. I want Last some. Week, yeah. I want some of that male gaze. I want some. <laughs> <of that. laughs> you know, I, 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 I do want that. So I'm. So by me choosing not to have these things, I'm saying yes to these other things that are that are more important that I want. And that's what the choice is. And in, in, in the program, I have a hundred ways to say no, because people don't want to hurt people's feelings, right? Yeah. So I, I give people language. Here's, here's how you can say no and be confident in it and not hurt a person's feelings. Okay, no, thank you. I just ate. Oh, that, look, that looks wonderful, but not right now. I mean, it's just, there, there's all kinds, there's all kinds of, you can take it. You know what? I think I'll take that with me. You can take it home and you don't have to eat it just because you take it home. That's right. Or you can eat, you know, I'm giving, you know, you can take it home and I've done this. And if you take it home, cause you're, you're not hungry, 
Okay. But if you just say it's something you like and you don't get an opportunity to eat it, you can take it home, but you don't have to eat it or you can, you don't have to eat it all in one sitting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So yes. If it's, if it's cheesecake, let make it last a couple of days. Why do Absolutely. we, you know, you, you don't have to. So, so it, it, it is, it is, it is no, then some sort of compliment, right? No, that looks wonderful. No, that looks delicious. I no, love that. Thank you for offering. No, oh, it looks so scrumptious, but not right now. Let me, or, maybe, or maybe a little later. So it's yes. like no, the compliment, and then the deferral. So that, I like that. that. That's free. Right? And, and you know, Michelle, I like that because, you know, I have, <clears throat> you know, I've been around people, I've done it, and we, we all have done it where we're going to either, you know, change our eating habits. We're going to separate the emotion from the food. Um, that doesn't mean we don't eat. We want to have our food taste good, but we're not talking about, we're talking about the emotional attachment mm -hmm. and then people around you. So if you're saying, you know, I'm going to say, cause everybody has their own thing, right? Some people like sweets, uh, you know, I'm Italian. So we happen to like pasta, right. you know, everything's carbs, right? Okay, so if you're going to do that. And I love what you just said, because there's sometimes people around you are not in that same place. Uh -huh. So all of a sudden there's cheese pizza or there's, you know, um, tiramisu for me, you know, or whatever, <laughs> whatever you're, everybody has their own thing. Right. right, right. And, and you, you know, and then that's when it becomes hard because it's, you can smell it and, and you can see it in you. And then all the, um, experiences like you were talking about are coming back into your head how you know and it's people need to learn to say and it's very hard I think for a lot of people no no thank you you know but I think on the flip side of that people should be supportive and say I know this person's trying not to eat this and they're trying to get their life where they feel needs to be back on track it's all you know individual viewpoints and um but it's, I, I, find it, I find it fascinating that people and family members will try to sabotage that, not purposely, maybe some, maybe not, I don't know, but, they, yeah. but they'll bring the food in right there in front of the person, like, yeah. you know, they're eating it. And yeah. the, how do people get over that? Or how do you help them? I know that great, I love the no's and all of that, but sometimes yeah. getting to the no is hard, right? So yes. tell us about your recommendations on how to do that. Cool. Okay. First, first of all, I will, I will tell you that it takes practice, right? That's the first thing. But here, here, is, here is really the centerpiece of what I teach and what I show. And that is your vision beyond the plate. I love that. And so when you are just focused on the food and the spread and everything that's in front of you, it, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard. But in order to, and, and I wanna go back to the, um, the comment that I said where the person said, oh my God, I wish I had your willpower. Mm -hmm. So here's, here's the thing, willpower will fade, self-control will fade, self-discipline will fade. And what I teach, what I teach is imagination. And imagination will serve you if you know how to use it. And the thing is, the, all we can see is the food that's in front of us in the place that we are. That's and right. If you stay stuck in there, it makes it hard. But if you can build a reason 
If you can build a picture, if you can build a future, it's what I call the bride story. If you can build a story that is so vivid of what your goal is, of your happy place that you mentioned, uh-huh. going to be that is so powerful and so important, then none of this other stuff will be will will grab your attention. It's easy to choose because every time you say no, you're choosing your bride story, and and this is rooted in this this is this is the very first lesson. This is the very first thing that I teach. Because if you have a bride story, everything else falls into place. And I say that because you just cl- just close your eyes. And, 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 and I have you know, I deal with a few people that are divorced, so it makes it a little hard, a little difficult for them. But, <laughs> but, 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 but just imagine, you have, you have been with somebody, you, you've been with them for a couple of years, and all you have ever wanted to do was get married. And finally, the, the question has been popped, all right? The question has been popped. You've got a ring on it, a date is set, and you're gonna be walking down the aisle. Right, this is your dream come true. This is your dream person. Right. <laughs> and you're out and you've been, you, you have tried on a thousand dresses. You've ordered them on eBay, you've ordered them on Amazon, you've gone to David's Bridal, and you finally found one at a boutique someplace, some Shishi boutique, and it happened to be on sale. It was a good price. You tried it on, but it was too tight. But that's the dress. That is the dress. And you know, if you wear in that dress and you're walking down the aisle or you're walking in the field, everybody's gonna be saying, Oh my gosh, she's so wonderful. She looks so beautiful. Oh my she, oh, she looks like heaven. You can see it. You know that that's your dress, but it is it is two sizes too 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 big, too small. But you get it anyway. You get it anyway because you know that's the dress, and you know that on that day when you walk down the aisle or walk through the field, your intended is going to look at you and say, "Oh my God, she is so beautiful. This is the woman of my dreams. We're about to start this fabulous life for us." And so you get that dress. Your wedding is three months off, two months off, six months off, whatever the case is. You get that dress, and from that day forward. Every choice of everything you put in your mouth, every movement that you make is based on the fact that you want to wear that dress. It has nothing to do with the plate. It's everything that's beyond the plate. None of those stories that you have heard before about food, any of that, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is getting in that dress. And if everybody starts any program with me or anybody else with something that is so compelling, with a reason that is bigger than a french fry, bigger than a hamburger, bigger than a milkshake, then there's no choice. There's not discipline. There's no discipline, there's no self-control, there's no willpower. I'm not resisting it because I don't want it. Yeah. That thing is, that, and so the, the short answer is you teach yourself not to want it. <laughs> That's right. And, and just because you're saying no to one thing, but you're saying yes to something even better. Yes. So, so we always get wrapped up in the, I can't, I can't have, no, I can't have, no, no. You know, sometimes I'll say to myself, no, no, bad, bad, you know, and it's like, but you're, but you're saying something to a dream. You're saying yes to a, a, you know, you want, this is, it's not about the no, we need to focus not on the no, we focus on the yes and what <laughs> we are going, you know, Michelle, that's amazing. Um, when is your book coming out? Talk, let's talk about when your book's coming out. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm, 
I can, I am so excited about this book. I'm so excited about this book. Um, so I just got, I just got a note from my editor yesterday that she's through with the editing. So oh. I've got to go, I've got to go do my stuff on the back end, but my target, my target is May 1st. May 1st. And it's leaving, leaving large. And anybody that's listening can download, can download a free chapter right now at www.leavinglarge.com. You download the free chapter. I will ask for your um, email address. And at that point, when the book is available on Amazon or available in stores, I can um, send you, send you a notification and you can get it, get the free chapter. I can also invite you to to the free readings because I do free readings from the chapter on Zoom on Sunday nights. So um, that's and that's, how and, and Michelle, what if I know because you do consulting? What if the, what if someone wants to get a hold of you and say, you know, I really want to talk to Michelle? Yes. How do I get a hold of her? Yes. How can yes. they do that? Okay, so what they can do is they can just reach out to me. Really, on email me, email me at I am brand new now. I am G- brand new now now at gmail.com I'm, I'm on instagram if you you know you leave a, a little note for me a tag me on instagram at i am brand new now you can i have a facebook group a free facebook group where we get you get this every day on on facebook uh support uh also at i am brand new now but just uh emailing me i reach out and i would i would love to offer any sort of support to anybody that is looking to change the way they feel about food and then ultimately change their body and their life. I think there's a lot of people, both men and women out there that you're going to, you're going to be helping with your book and, and, um, and the different programs that you're offering, whether it be um, one-on-one or Facebook or different social media. So Michelle, thank you so much. You are fearless in pink. And, and I will have your information um, so people can get a hold of you, whether it's, you know, I think I'm going to sign up for your email list because I want the book. Um, so, so I'm like, you know, this is the second time we talked about this. I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. So Michelle Pettis, thank you so much for being on Fearless in Pink. We appreciate you. Thank you. It's been great.